You're a wizard, Harry. It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. I can tell you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even put a stopper in death. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to your enemies, but a great deal more to stand up to your friends. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. I'm Dan, we're back doing chapter 10, uh, it's called Halloween, and uh, guess who we have back with us? Hi, Anna's back. She's returning from the first five chapters uh, to talk some Harry Potter, so that this is awesome. She's got some thoughts on some of the other episodes that we've had. She's listened to all of them. Of course I have. It's very, very exciting. It so uh, we'll get to those um, either this chapter or next because she's going to be with us for two. So Don't spoil things. That's right. We're starting with a non-spoiler section of Chapter 10, Halloween. Uh, sorry, I already spoiled you for the next chapter. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this was this is a big chapter in a lot of different ways. So many different ways. Oh, important to just the whole entire series. Would we have a series without this chapter? Yeah, and we're not overplaying it either, because it's subtle. It's really subtle how she does it, but it's... Well, that's JK. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that. Elizabeth talked about that. It's JK. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the chapter kind of starts out with, um, I guess one could say it's kind of a random act of kindness kind of thing, um, but necessary, <laughs> considering <laughs> he has... <laughs> He doesn't exactly want to use one of the school brooms that he was flying on during the flying lessons. He couldn't. There would be no point to him being a seeker if he was going to use... It'd be yeah. rough. It'd yeah. be rough. Uh, and we know just from that interaction of her kind of scooping him up from that flying lesson just what kind of Quidditch fan McGonagall is. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, she's going to be darned if her seeker for her house has an inadequate broom to fly on. Well, you and Elizabeth were talking a lot about how Snape favors, you know, the Slytherins, and obviously he does. I feel like this is the one time McGonagall favors her students. It's like, she is going to do what she's got to do for Gryffindor to have a good Quidditch team. She was so excited that she found a seeker. As she should be. And I, I love how, in my head, she favors herself as a recruiter for the yes. Quidditch team. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, that's her own person. Like, not a coach, per se. To the but point like that a... she pulls Wood out of class to talk to him about it. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. She's like, nope, I'm using every ounce of potential power I have here to kind of sway it. Um, but I also like how, um, and that's, you know, the note that comes with it. We learn it's McGonagall that gifts it. But... Mm -hmm. I love this idea that a long, thin package comes in and no one knows what it is. Like, I mean, what else could it possibly be? Maybe, you know, it wasn't actually, like, wrapped like a broom. Maybe it was just, like, you know, he couldn't tell that the handle was there. You know, it's just a rectangular box, maybe. A rectangular box would make maybe. a little bit more sense. But still, I guess no one knows he's... faith in many. No, no one knows that he's the seeker yet. It's still a fairly mm -hmm. well-kept secret because... Wood wanted to keep it low-key so no one knew. And... and McGonagall doesn't want everybody clamoring for a new Nimbus 2000. Right. And she even says in the note, like, mm -hmm. hey, don't open this year. It's not exactly a common thing. And then we learned by from um, 
well, Malfoy, I guess, tells us that first years aren't supposed to have those. No, they mentioned that in the school list. We already knew that. Okay. So, well, Malfoy brings it up here when he tries to tattle on Harry to Flitwick, and Flitwick's like, oh yeah, I heard about that. Right. Yes. Which is so great. Malfoy deserves every slap in the face he can get. It's such a childish, tattletale kind of technique that he uses, which makes sense because he's 11, but... Uh, true. But that's also just sort of where Draco is at. You know, he's this rich only child. He probably only knows how to tattle on people and get childish revenge. I wonder if it's just a writing technique because you're identifying... Again, this this book was written very much towards a younger audience. Yes. Yeah. So is it a way to... Which on this reread has really struck out to me a little bit more that this is definitely written for a younger audience Mm -hmm. than the later books. Oh, for sure. And it just kind of gives me this sense that she was writing to that kind of audience to get those kind of like, oh, I've been there before, or yeah. I'm there now, or, yeah. or whatever. I've you know, been there, done that kind of thing. Maybe even trying to send out the message, hey, don't be this childish, don't be that tattletale, like Draco. She sends a lot of messages, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit later, too. Um, skipping ahead in our own notes. <laughs> um, but she kind of has that writing style early on of just really putting certain characters in corners of like, wow, you don't like Malfoy already because he's kind of a snobby tattletale who hates pretty much every character you like. (laughs) So there's that. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, we'll get into it a little bit later, but she also paints Hermione in a very vivid picture. She paints Ron in a very vivid picture, especially in this chapter, which we'll get to in a second. Um. But before we get there, we'll round out our Quidditch kind of conversation. Um, Wood drops some awesome Quidditch knowledge yeah. on all of us. Uh, some of which, if you're a Harry Potter fan and you've been around the series, you know very well. Like the actual positions, how many there are, the general, how the game goes. Um, but then he drops into some like background um, information, which... Uh, for example, uh, no one at Hogwarts has ever been killed by a bludger. Which, <laughs> at Hogwarts. Right, he qualifies at, at Hogwarts. Um, which is honestly shocking to me. Because <laughs> it's a horribly dangerous game. It is horribly. Just the idea of the bludgers in general. How is like multiple people not sent off the Quidditch pitch with concussions from bludgers? Every game. I don't... Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I think I identify with Harry in this kind of conversation where he's just like, I'm sorry, what? Like, wait, go go back. How is this not a soup? You're handing me a bat right now. Why? I'm already flying many feet above the ground. Now you're telling me these things are literally to take my head off? Awesome. That's cool. Uh, and now with me working, like, my actual day job is dealing with sports and sports injuries. Yes. Yes. So this, it, Quidditch blows my mind in a bunch of different ways. But Would you want to be an athletic trainer for a Quidditch game, or is that just kind of your worst nightmare? Actually, okay, uh, we'll go into this now. I actually have a story about Quidditch. Oh, okay. I do. Um, so <clears throat> my first job, I was working in a physician's office, right? And I was seeing injuries before the doctors came and saw them. So one of our injured 
people that came into the clinic that day was a Quidditch player from Ball State yes. because Quidditch is an actual club sport in most yeah, places. Yeah, I was almost going to be on Marquette's team. There you go. So um, he comes in and he he injured his finger trying to catch the quaffle. Yes. Uh, so the quaffle like jammed his finger. I'm like, okay, well, we'll get an x-ray and we'll see how bad it is and whatever. And x-ray comes back and it's bad. He broke it badly. Not just a break. He broke it very badly. Um, and we had to break the news to him that he would be out for the Quidditch World Cup. Because oh, Ball no. State had qualified that year. Oh, so we actually held a Quidditch player out of the Quidditch World Cup. So there's that. Uh, so that's my Quidditch story. But yes, I do want to be an athletic trainer that volunteers because... I'm not going to get paid for this. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> but I would totally volunteer to work a Quidditch game because it's fascinating. If you see it in live action in the real world, it's unique. Uh, you might have seen it in the movie. They actually played a game of Quidditch. Oh, it was a Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson movie. That was where they oh, were Google, Google interns. Oh, one, yes. yeah. I think that was literally called The Intern or something. I think it? you're right. Yeah. Uh, it was something like that. And they actually play a game of Quidditch, and it is ridiculous. Because um, <laughs> Vince Vaughn's the big athlete, and he thinks yeah. he's going to dominate this thing amongst all the Google nerds. Yeah, no. And he has no idea what's going on the entire time. Yeah. It's funny. We're getting sidetracked. <laughs> um, but, yes. Yeah, so, our knowledge of Quidditch um, makes that no one at Hogwarts ever killed by a bludger seem uh, remarkable, if anything else. Um <laughs> He does go on to say that the record-long match lasted three months. He didn't specify if that was at Hogwarts or professionally. I would imagine professionally could last even longer. Yeah, Because just the skill involved? Well, I think in the next chapter, Quidditch throughout the ages starts talking more about the different things that have happened professionally. But that can't have happened at Hogwarts. I feel like Hogwarts wouldn't allow that to happen. Like, just missing... That long classes and stuff exactly. like that? Like, like even that, if they brought in substitutes and everything like that, they're not going to be allowing students to miss classes for three months. Right. Like, no. That's insane. But he didn't specify, so it leaves that, like... True. True. That, and Wood would love that. Wood oh, Wood would, would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure a lot of the other players would love that. Charlie true. Weasley probably yeah, being one probably. of them. And I think this, this tidbit that... Wood gives on Charlie Weasley is probably the reason why I have always loved Charlie Weasley. Okay. Uh, because he says, Wood says that he could have played for England professionally, oh. but the idiot went to go chase dragons. What? what? How could you do such a thing? Lame. Both are incredibly cool. Yeah. Yeah, they are. So, yeah, they are. Um, so I think that it always like connected with my, again, I read this right when I was around 11 and mm-hmm. I had my dreams of playing professional basketball at the time, which Wood doesn't even know exists, crushes my soul, <laughs> but I had my dreams of playing professional sports and here's Charlie Weasley, could have played for England, nope, I'm going to go chase some, dragons. chase some dragons around and I'm like, that's so cool. I mean, everybody's dreams are different. Ah, uh, so cool. Um, so I've, that's probably, that tidbit is probably the origin of my love of Charlie Weasley, but whatever. 
I know, I know Anna has a different opinion on the Weasleys. I know her favorite. I never said that I just like Charlie. I think we both know I got really upset with you when you tried to say Charlie was the oldest. Thank you for correcting that via Twitter. Yes. Guys, I actually middle named him. I was so upset. But, yeah. She really did. She she called me out hard for that. Uh, but, yeah, I I've, again, this is probably, we don't know much about Bill at this point in time. We know he works for Gringotts, and it's been mentioned that he's working in... He's working overseas. Yes. I think he was working in Africa. I think they Af- just said Africa at this time. Yes. yes. So, um, yeah, we know that, which is cool. It's very it cool. Is. It but, is. But we've gotten a little bit more tidbits on Charlie. That's um, true. That's so true. Probably I, I just, the most tidbits we ever get. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, really. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's just very interesting to hear Oliver Wood kind of sift through some of the Quidditch background. Definitely. Um, always interesting. And again, me with my athletics background, I love it. So uh, I do have a question for you. Ooh, uh, bring it on. Um, charms lesson. Yes. The, the I think I can call it the famous charms lesson because the movies oh, have made a lot out of this lesson. Most definitely. Um, just memes on top of memes on oh, top yeah. of memes. Oh, yeah. Um, but the question I have is, Flitwick describes the the wording of spells and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he references a wizard, Barufio? Yes, he does. But uh, wizard is capitalized W. It is, yeah. That's a proper noun. Elizabeth can check me on this. <laughs> I believe that's a proper noun when you capitalize it. Yes, so yes, it is. is that a title? Wizard is a title or is it his first name? Like, what's going on there? Oh, I've never even thought about it being his first name. It's got to be one of the two, right? I, I guess I did always think of it as, like... A title? I always more kind of thought of it as, like, Flitwick giving a title to this, like, single name. You know, like, in history, I feel like a lot of famous, like, people are usually just known by their first name. You know, like, Beowulf. So I always kind of thought of it as, like, Flitwick having, like, a teaching moment, being, like, Wizard Barufio, just to, like, give him, you know, more of a name for his young students. So, yes, I always thought of it more as more of a title that Flitwick himself was giving. Just weird, Barufio. considering, it like, is. school for witchcraft and wizardry is yeah. in your literal, like... Like, literally every male is in, just inherently is given that, yeah. Yeah. So why capitalize it was just my question. I don't know. And maybe that's a question for JK that I don't... Probably only JK can answer that Probably. question. Um, I just read it. I'm like, why is that capitalized? Why is it even said, I guess? But especially the capitalization. Yeah, no, wizard in general. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's his first name. Maybe that's how the term wizard came into being. There you go. There's there's a curveball that I didn't think of. Okay. All right. Well, if you have any insight on that, please <laughs> let us know. Um, but yeah, I just found it really odd uh, before we get into the whole uh, magic of charms. And uh, this is obviously where the spell Wingardium Leviosa. Swish and flick. flick. Yeah, swish I have in quotation marks in my outline because you can't. You just can't have yeah. mentioned this without the swish and flick. There's so much about this scene that you can't. Not mention. Leviosa, not Leviosa. (laughs) 
Yes. And so the, the pairings, Ron and Hermione get paired, and they've obviously been very antagonistic towards each other this entire time. So clearly they're getting paired again. Yeah. Uh, Harry dodged Neville's looks. Yeah, I know. To that avoid so Neville. Sad. And ends up getting paired with Seamus, no H. And. <laughs> With an age. Thank you. I was waiting to, to drop that. that in. Yeah, you're yeah. welcome. That's an inside joke between us. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> um, but he <laughs> partners with Seamus. And uh, Seamus uh, lights his feather on fire after prodding it because it wouldn't actually float. Um, and here he put it out with his hat, which, like, let's go back. None of us ever actually imagine these characters wearing wizard's hats, Correct. do we? Yeah, nope. okay, good. Just making sure we're all on the same page. Just like Dumbledore's buckled boots. Oh, your buckled boots of Sasha Schnecker happened. Nope. nope. Uh, this is probably where I should just mention we haven't had Diggle in like several chapters now. Aww. Spoiler alert, nor will we for a little bit either. Yeah. Uh, sorry for that in <laughs> the non spoiler section. section. Damn. I'm sorry. Uh, we, yeah, we talked about it before. Anyway, um,. <laughs> But yeah, you had those interesting pairings and them avoiding Neville at all costs for like the first time, really. Uh, breaking up that foursome for the first time. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, so after this lesson and Hermione kind of schooling Ron on how to A, say the spell and B, how to actually... Big time. Actually do the spell. And Ron doesn't take stuff like that well. No. Uh, no, he has a very sensitive inferiority complex mm-hmm. um which is which we touched on you and sammy touched on really well yeah yeah it's a very deep-seated thing that goes back with his family obviously we mentioned charlie's very talented we just mentioned bill's mm-hmm. very talented now he's harry potter's best friend the twins are obviously very talented and well-liked very popular it's very hard to be wrong <laughs> um that's why i love him <laughs> But uh, we get into, you know, Hermione has been painted as this. I think every time she's mentioned, JK almost follows up whatever she's doing with bossy tone. Yep, absolutely. Like, almost every single time. Yeah. So she's painting a very vivid picture of Hermione right now, and Mm -hmm. it's not favorable. No, it's not. I don't like Hermione early on in this book because how it's hard to like her because you don't like someone that's right over the top of you telling you how to do something whether it's right or wrong, yeah, you don't like that person kind of harping on you every second of the day. No, you didn't say that correctly. No, you, yeah. you're going to get in trouble. You're going to lose this point, blah, 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 over and over and over and over again on a constant loop. Yeah. Every day for two months, I think, it's, as it's gone on. So it's like, <laughs> that's hard. That's very hard. It is. I feel like we could get into more of this in the spoiler section because I think, you know, it's just Hermione. And we don't know her that well yet. You know, it's two months. And yes, it would be annoying the crap out of me for two months, like you said, of a person harping, harping, harping. Also, reading it as a 32-year-old, I wish I could remember more of how I was feeling about Hermione when I was reading this for the first time as a child. Because reading as a 32-year-old, part of me is also like, was Hermione being bossy or was Hermione just being a smart 11-year-old female that everybody else found bossy because she was a girl. Like, if it was Ron going around telling, or if it was Harry, Harry Potter, going around telling everybody, would anybody care? But anyway, that's a whole other conversation that we don't have to get into. But Until the spoilers. So come back for the spoiler, because we'll probably have been a little <laughs> bit more. Um, so yeah, come come back for that in a, in a couple of seconds. So, but before we go there, um, 
Ron, uh, you know, speaking of Ron, is not painted in a very great picture here either. No, he's not. He's a real jerk. Uh, this is a, a PG podcast, but yeah. he's, he's not a very nice person. He's not. <laughs> he's not a very nice person. But again, they're only 11. Like... Weren't we all kind of... I'm not at all trying to make excuses for Ron. I'm really not. Ron is a jerk. But, like, weren't we all kind of jerks to people we didn't like when we were 11? Yeah, it comes out of a very immature sense of what people... And this is where this is coming out of. It's an immature sense of popularity. Is like, right. Hermione doesn't have any friends. Therefore, I will pile on because I have at least a friend. Right. <laughs> so. She just embarrassed me big time. So I'm going to like belittle her and be a jerk yeah. to make myself feel better. It's a very immature way of dealing yeah. with the situation. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But yeah, not, not but looking yeah. great for Ron in this chapter, specific, right. or at least this part of this chapter. So uh, that's uh, just a very interesting dynamic, which we'll Definitely. get into a little bit later. Yeah. Um, very random uh, fun fact, but... They go to the Great Hall for their feast. 2,000 live bats in the Great Hall. Yeah, no, that's kind of gross. 2,000's a lot. That's really, like, mm, thank God they have magic, because I feel like that's a lot of disease right there. Yes, that is a lot of guano. Yeah. That's a problem with all that. It's gross. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. And it's like they had two versions. They had, like, 1,000 flying up by the ceiling. Right. And then, and then they had a, more... a thousand like closer to the actual yeah. tables, which is even more like, I get up by the ceiling, fine, I get it. Yeah. But that's, yeah, it's, You may all a little too health conscious in the midst of a pandemic, but like, ew. And I'm not one of those people that are like, bats are a terrible creature. No. I, they have a wonderful purpose in life and they do it quite Every well. Creature does. Keep the insect population down. I have a story about bats, too, but we won't go there yet. Um, I've actually had to expel some from uh, the house up in northern Wisconsin, but that's a whole other thing. Yikes, yikes. Um, so, yeah, it just it just struck me as 2,000 is a lot of bats. And the Great Hall is massive, but that's, that's still a lot. Um, but then we get Professor Quirrell stammering into yes, the Great Hall. Go. And, you know, this is another one where the movies have a very different take uh, from this scene from the book. Because in the movies, all I can remember is Quirrell screaming into the Great Hall, Trolls in the dungeon! You know, that whole, yeah. like... Thought you ought to know. Yeah. And then, yeah, and the thought you ought to know is him, yeah. like, collapsing. Here, he just, like, collapses. And I just took note, no exclamation point, <laughs> just a period. Just, like, Trolls in the dungeon. Really? Yeah. There was no... Nope. Troll in the dungeon... Thought you ought to know. And collapses. We're double checking, listeners. We're, we're checking Dan. She's, she's double checking. Um, it is a rare feat when she double checks me on something, and I'm actually right. Uh, this might be maybe the second time ever that she... Oh my she god, was... you guys, he's right. Yeah, see? I hate it when he's right. Yep, it happens from time to time. Um, yeah, it's very anticlimactic, really. Yeah, a little bit. So... It just surprised me because it's a very stark contrast between the movie and the book. But so he does, um, you know, say "Troll in the Dungeon," which, by the way, is a great trivia name. Uh, don't steal it; it's ours. We've copyrighted. It. Yes, uh, absolutely. That is our won. specific groups. If you want to use that name, then come with us to trivia and be part of our team. Woo! Uh, that's where we're going with it. But "Troll in the Dungeon" or "Trolls in the Dungeon," however, which way you want to do it. Um, 
great trivia name. Uh, we've won, we've won some trivia matches with that name. Yeah, we have. So we're keeping it. Um, so anyway, uh, big uproar. People are clamoring out of the great hall, trying to get to the safety of their actual Percy Weasley is in his element. Yes, uh, Prefect Percy or Percy the Prefect. That's it. Yes. Percy the Prefect is leading uh, as best as he can, except loses two students um, <laughs> and doesn't even know the third one's not even there. So that's great job, Percy. <laughs> but he just loves bossing people around, and that he does well. So, uh, but he loses Ron and Hermione, or sorry, Harry and Ron to go fetch Hermione. And um, the encounter with the troll in the bathroom. It's so good. It's so good, and it's so. Here's my so here's my thing on the, the troll. It's a troll, right? Yep. Um. Not the then they say it's not the smartest creature right. to encounter. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's big and it's strong, and it can do damage, but you can outsmart it fairly easily. Why are any of the teachers really perturbed by this? Like you think any of the teachers would be like, okay, which which one? Uh, you got this. You got. I could get it. I guess. Uh, you know, it, any of them should be able to knock this out. Fairly simply, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess I've never thought of it that way. Um, like, it could also do, because of its size and its big old club, it could do a lot of damage to the castle before the teachers even find it, which I guess, with magic, is easy enough to fix. Right. But you but think, think, like, Dumbledore's just sitting there, like, rolling his eyes, just going, like, okay? <laughs> like, well, maybe that's why there's no exclamation mark. Maybe that's why it's just a period. Well, even so, you have the... Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Yeah. This perturbed by seemingly a very low-level <laughs> creature. It's like, um, why? But, 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 trolls also, and I don't really remember if this is specifically mentioned in the scene, but I do know somewhere... We are taught that trolls are very resistant to magic hitting them, like their skin and such, similar to, like, so maybe it's harder for uh, them to fight a troll we know of. When I read this, um, I think of literally the trolls in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's fair. That are, like, hard to hit with, like, the arrows and, like, all this has an issue, like, taking them down. Yes. Yeah. I'm a nerd. So... Uh, yeah, so, so now just, I'm imagining Legolas. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> never mind. I'm a nerd too. It's fine. Well, he could. So here's my other thing. Legolas could take it out because he could just swing up exactly. there and and Legolas do his thing. Agile. Whereas Harry, to help knock this troll out, jumps up and puts his arms around the neck yep. of a troll. Yep. The troll they say is twelve feet tall. Yep. I did not know that Harry is an NBA prospect that can get up that high with his jumping ability. Well, wasn't, like, the troll, like, down for some reason? Because he had just been, like, bending down, like, yelling at somebody. Maybe, but 12 feet, that's... Also, like, Harry is just, like, the epitome of a Gryffindor, which I know we can talk about more in the spoiler section, but, like, I feel like this whole scene is just, like, hello. So, like, the Sorting Hat taught us bold nerve, bold full of nerves and bravery. And, like, he just went running out of 12-foot mountain troll, and he's just, like, some little probably, like, 5-foot 
tall eleven mm-hmm. year old. That apparently just dumped a basketball on top of a troll's head. I mean which is insane. I think he mostly just stuffed the basketball up the troll's nose. That's that's true too. Uh that very uh it's not the prettiest way to win a fight. Yeah, but um, it worked. It was successful in distracting the troll. So you got that going for you. Yeah. Uh, and then Ron coming in clutch uh, with the with the spell, with the flotation spell. That he was unable to do in class, but he's able to do it in that moment. Mm-hmm. But also going back to like Harry making that big jump, can we just like bring up this quote from that scene? Harry then did something that was both very brave and very stupid. And that's when he made his NBA debut and jumped on the troll. Yes. Like, that quote... Oh, my God, I love that quote. It's a good one. I love it so much. It's, okay. a, it's a great, great quote. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we should dive into it more because um, it's so great and, and spoilers. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's a good one. We're, we're starting to dip into what we want to really expand on in the spoiler section. So we're just going to go there now. So we'll take a little break. And uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. In the dungeon! Turn in the dungeon! All right, so we are back in the spoiler section of Chapter 10, Halloween. Um, so, uh, we had a poll recently run. that was, which Hogwarts house do you identify with or belong to? It was actually a really close poll. It was. I was surprised. I know, right? It I'm was not very lie. good. Yeah. Um, we had a, a bunch of votes, so thank you for everyone that voted. Uh, Gryffindor came out with twenty five percent of the vote. Ravenclaw with twenty nine percent, the high number, twenty nine percent for Ravenclaw. Uh, Hufflepuff came up with twenty five percent, so tying Gryffindor. And then Slytherin trailed them all with 21%, which is not a slouch number at all. No, not very at close. all. Yeah. So it's very interesting poll results. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like they were all very even. Yeah, likewise. So yeah, that, that's kind of a cool poll result. So we're going to try to keep having those polls up. I actually put one up um, recently that has... I already voted. There you go. That has... Um, uh, which is your favorite book one teacher? Book one specifically, the one I mean, that we're very covering. Very important, you know. It is differential because my answer would have been different if it wasn't just book one. And I think mine would too, actually. So, but yeah, keep a lookout on our Twitter for any polls that may come up. They're pretty awesome. So if I do say so myself. Uh, yeah. So a nice even breakdown, and I think we wanted to get into speaking of the Hogwarts houses mm-hmm. a little bit of Gryffindor because oh, God, I love Gryffindor. Our three. Um, main characters have a moment. Yeah, yeah. They're almost, well, not their personal defining moment, but possibly the defining moment of their friendship. I mean, like I said earlier in the non-spoiler section, I just feel like this whole troll scene is the epitome of Ron and Harry being a Gryffindor, and Hermione still shows some bravery Gryffindor traits. And going back to that, you know, Harry did something both very brave and very stupid, which is just the epitome of Harry. Like, it's just so Gryffindor, which I feel very passionately about. I identify as a Gryffindor. I was sorted into Gryffindor via Wizarding World. So I feel very official. But, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah. Yeah, I think, so, in our little pre-production meeting that we had, uh, <laughs> we were talking about this scene, and we kind of thought that 
each one of the trio kind of represents Gryffindor fully, but also differently, I think, in this scene. Definitely. And then we stopped it right there because we're like, nope, we have to record when we talk about this. <laughs> um, so you are you already mentioned kind of about Harry and his um, kind of, without thinking about it, bravery of just like, no, I'm going to protect my friends. Mm-hmm. Even though and her, they don't have to be friends. And they Harry don't have to be friends. just protects. Yeah, because like, Harry and Hermione he at this point are, they're not as antagonistic as Ron and Hermione, but right. they're not friends at this point. Um, they're not friendly necessarily. So for him to just kind of go out of his way to protect, um, in a very dangerous situation, um, kind of represents that, that bravery, that daring part of Gryffindor for sure, wholeheartedly. Well, and I think it also goes back to a part of Gryffindor that maybe sometimes get overlooks. And this is, you know... Me maybe having gotten overly upset as a Gryffindor towards um, a previous podcast guest you had who um, said said Gryffindor only entered into the final battle of Hogwarts for the glory. Um, Yeah. She's getting upset. So I feel all sorts of ways about that. And like Gryffindor isn't brave for the glory. Like Colin Creevy wouldn't have come back to the battle of Hogwarts and, like, snuck back in and died secretly for the glory. He got no glory there. So that's not what it's about. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent, and I lost my point. Well, Sorry. I, I want to respond to that tangent, actually. Okay. If you don't mind. No, go for it. Uh, because, you know, this is a, a friendly conversation. We yes, can talk Harry Potter. We can throw course. some stuff around. It's all good. Uh, this is nothing new to Anna and I discussing almost anything, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but... Uh, So if I were to respond to that, I would say that uh, we've talked on the podcast about all the houses Mm. and about all of their qualities. And we've talked about them in generally the light that the Sorting Hat would talk about them, generally positive. All of the positive traits and qualities and why you would want to be a part of this house. Mm -hmm. Well, if (laughs) nothing is all positive. Of course not. Every house has a... I don't want to say dark side. Dark side is not the right word, but like uh, more negative traits associated with it as well. So Gryffindor specifically, if we're getting down to it, um, there other houses would describe Gryffindors as brave. Sure. They might also describe them as a little arrogant, a little cocky, a little brash, uh, a little too aggressive. For their liking. Thinking more with brawn than brain sometimes. More brawn than brain sometimes. So there are some negative qualities. And to each of, of the houses. You can yeah. go through each one. And, and I'm not and trying nitpick. to deny that. So I think that's where that came out of is, did every Gryffindor act uh, for the glory? No. Could some have? Sure. And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility to, yeah. to kind of consider. And it's Gryffindor as a whole. There are certainly Gryffindors out there that are very full of themselves. Ron himself sometimes does a lot of brave things for the glory because he does want to finally outshine his brothers and overcome a lot of the insecurities we've talked about. You know, even some of the best of the Gryffindors succumb to that negative, more not great side of the Gryffindor characteristics. I mean, even you take that quote as Harry's brave and stupid. That's 
And you're like, that's the epitome of Gryffindor. And it, it can be the epitome of no, Gryffindor. Absolutely. And to circle it back to the chapter, that's even what even got me thinking about it. It's like, Harry did some brave and stupid things because at the end of the day, Hermione being in such extreme danger is kind of Harry and Ron's fault. Like, Ron was a jerk, so Hermione wasn't at the feast and was crying in a bathroom. Then Harry and Ron locked the troll in the dungeon with, or in the girl's bathroom with Hermione because they didn't pay attention to where they were. And so, like, Harry takes on that responsibility and acts bravely because he's not just going to, like, shirk and just, like, disregard the fact that, like, hey... My quote unquote brave actions of locking the troll in the bathroom brought on, like, I'm not going to shirk the fact that consequences happened that were bad. I just put Hermione in a ton of danger. So I'm going to take responsibility and I'm going to go do some really stupid but brave things to help her. And that, in my mind, is what I always think of as a Gryffindor. But it's yeah. an interesting dynamic because I think everything. We're having these house conversations in book one. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it manifests itself in a very vivid way in book seven. It almost bookends. Yeah, absolutely. With the Battle of Hogwarts and what the houses individually do. And you can. Also, book five, trying to unite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, she spotlights it a couple of bits, but in the brave and stupid kind of conversation yeah. with Gryffindor, it's like. It's so you have. At that end, we're going to slide Slytherin to the side for a second, because that was a interesting ending mm -hmm. for Slytherin. But yeah. um, but the, the three other houses, they all have interesting moments. And you see most people neglect Hufflepuff. Uh, you have slandered Hufflepuff before. I have slandered Hufflepuff, and I know, I know that. I'm the first to admit that they don't always necessarily deserve the slander that I give. So they're seeming to be like that group that stepped up beside Gryffindor. Yeah, absolutely. They had the second most number of people in the Correct. final battle. Now, why is that? I'm a Ravenclaw first. I've always considered myself a Ravenclaw. Lately, I've drifted more towards the Hufflepuff side, and we've talked about that for other reasons. But um, the Ravenclaw side of me, I'm proud to be associated with that house. Ravenclaw has a lot of distinguishing characteristics that make them great. But to that point, in that final battle, mm -hmm. them and Gryffindor really conflict because, yes, they're both wanting to defend Hogwarts, but then you get down into the, is it a smart bet right, right. now to do this? Mm -hmm. Is this really the right moment to stand? Because statistically, we are way outnumbered. We are yeah. way behind the sticks right now. We're literally clustered into a great hall. This is all we got left. Is this really where we want to make our push? And Gryffindor was like, how can you even begin to question this? It's because there's a whole bunch of murderous people outside this castle yeah. willing to kill us without a second thought. And Gryffindor was just like, whatever, man, we're doing it. <laughs> and it's, and it's like... really interesting because me and one of my very closest friends from Marquette have this conversation a lot. We like to sort our friends into different houses and we always go back to the final battle. And she identifies as Slytherin, but she does agree that she would fight in the Battle of Hogwarts, but she would be like up in a tower 
um, safe away from the main battle, strategically, herself. logically battling it out, which I feel like is very Ravenclaw-esque sure. battle plan. Mm-hmm. And we always talk about how I would be the one, like, running out into the middle of the fight and being a complete idiot and unsafe and, like, fighting I'd that for my battle. I'd probably be somewhere in between the two. And so, but I think that, like, brings back your point, like, you know, Ravenclaw is not unbrave, they're not cowards or anything, they're just but, thinking through the situation, exactly. looking at more analytically and going, right. what the hell are we doing? Right Which now? is probably why like, they have the least amount. Well, again, we put Slytherin to the side. They have the fewest number of house people who stayed to fight. It's still a significant number. I will, they still had a good amount just to defend Ray. Not yeah. as much as the other two. Yeah. But I, they still had. They had representatives and playing an important role. So, yeah, well, obviously. So, let's not complete. I'd want to fight with Ravenclaws for sure. Yeah, you'd think, right? <laughs> They'd be a pretty good. I mean, for goodness sake, Flitwick exactly. was a beast in that Ooh, battle. For so, sure. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but anyway, I digress on that. Um, <laughs> we're getting all over the place with this. We did. I'm it's, sorry. It's, no, it's a great conversation. I um, hope you guys are enjoying it as much as Anna and I are enjoying it. Uh, we're getting fired up. It's great. Um, it's a window into our friendship and <laughs> the base that we have on, on a regular basis. Uh, but before we wrap up the spoiler section, there was a quote that really jumped out to both of us mm. um, that I think, and this is the first time it's really jumped out to me, on one of these reads, I don't know if that's the case for you or if it jumps out every time, but... I wouldn't say it jumps out the same amount every time, but it's definitely not the first time I've taken notice how poignant it is. Yeah, and it, it's... JK does this thing where she just throws things away. <laughs> like, it's just a boom, dropping it, and yep. moving on. Yeah. And it's just... It hits you in a certain way. Um, and the quote that I'm referencing is, From that moment on, Hermione Granger became their friend. And then shortly thereafter... There are some things you can't share without ending up liking each other. And I think that's such a profound statement to yeah. end a chapter with. For sure. Um, and, and again, she ends a chapter with it. So it's almost yeah. like, boom, and moving on. Right. Well, <laughs> and don't you remember reading them for the first time and like you would finish a chapter and you would. You'd have to sit there for a minute before you moved on to the next chapter and just like. There's two ways of reading these books. There's that way, which is a very legitimate way to do it. Or there's the. Oh, oh my, my gosh, yeah. I need to f- get to Which the next Which I think part. depends on what the chapter sure. that you're finishing is. Absolutely. But, yeah. um, but the, I, this quote just hits on so many levels. Right. Like personally, emotionally, but also for the characters and for the series. Right. It's a defining moment in the oh, whole absolutely. series. Which is what we talked about in the non-spoilers. Like this is yeah. a defining chapter for this. Because again, I said it in the non-spoiler and I will say it again. Would we have a series if... You know, this scene hadn't happened. Would Harry, Ron, and Hermione become friends? Would Harry and Ron survive without Hermione as their friend? Like, I. The answer to that is no. Exactly. <laughs> Which and they acknowledge at some point. They, it, was, it was like, for sure. he would be so messed Ron up. Ron is the one to acknowledge it, too. Like, like, Ron and Hermione, I, I just, I love Ron and Hermione. I know there's a lot of different shippers out there. But I am a diehard. I will fight you. Ron and Hermione belong together all the way. I will go to the mattresses. Absolutely, I will. But, yeah. It's an interesting relationship that develops because, obviously, 
JK has... And, and, remind me, I might be wrong on this, but I feel like JK herself was wavering between Harry, Hermione, Ron, and Hermione. It wasn't like a from-the-get-go thing. No. So what JK has said is that as she was writing the series, she always knew it was going to be Ron and Hermione, Endgame, Harry, Ginny, Endgame. Since she has finished the series and, you know, gotcha. okay. grown, I guess, as a human, as we do, she looks back on it and says it's more realistic for Harry and Hermione have to, like, she, I guess, disagrees with herself and her original plan. I mean, Ron and Hermione are very, um, they're opposites in a lot of different ways. Right. But don't you think they need each other to, like, balance out? They're opposites? They do. That's how I feel. Um, they do. Uh, I mean, they're both reality checks in different ways. Like, would we even like Hermione? Like, in the very next chapter, it stated, like, Hermione is the nicer, like, she started to bend rules. She wasn't as much of a rule follower, and she's the nicer for it. Like, Ron mellows out Hermione, and Hermione kind of gives Ron a kick in the butt that we all know he needs. So they just... I don't know. They She doesn't, she doesn't, because she does a lot for them. She does. <laughs> she does a lot for them. She does. She does. She does and Ron mostly. I think Ron mostly takes it. But Harry does yeah. too, but he also gets those moments where he gets a self kick in the butt of like, no yeah. no no, I need to be better at this. Yeah. Hermione, how you help me, but he's taking the Well, initiative. Harry also grew up with the Dursleys. He's had to be more self-reliant than Ron has. Like Ron might have some insecurities within his family, but he also was surrounded by a very loving family. So he maybe is more comfortable with relying on people than Harry is. There there's so much more we can talk about. We're going long again. No, we are. I'm so sorry. Uh, we're yeah. So uh, we should probably end it here. Uh, I don't even want to. I know. I know. We should probably end it here. Um, and then we'll get to some more Harry Potter stuff next week when we talk about Chapter 11, Quidditch. Woo! So hopefully uh, you join us for that. Uh, thanks for listening. You can check us out on Twitter. Please follow us at Hogwarts a Pod. My personal Twitter is at Daniel underscore Allen 44. You can find me just replying all over the place on the Hogwarts Up Hodge Twitter. That's true. She's very active, and we thank her for that. That's awesome. For Anna, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll check you out on the next one. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts a Pod.